welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. From the latest archery equipment and expert shooting advice to proven bowhunting tactics and the sport's biggest personalities, we've got you covered. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian Bird. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and today we are the voice of savage passion and intensity and celebrations of success in the field when all odds are against you and you simply absolutely 110% refuse to accept defeat because you never stop, you never give up, you never give in until the fat lady sings. And the fat lady did not sing before my guest got his tag punched in Ohio this year. I've got bow hunting contributor, good friend, all around maniac, and Ohio big buck slayer, Clint Casper on the line. Clint, I always love having you on Peterson's Bow Hunting Radio. And as you can tell, I'm a little bit pumped up to have you back on the show today, buddy. Man, it's always fun to jump on with you, but I'm super pumped about this one too because this podcast was only going to happen if I succeeded in doing what you told me I had to do. And that was, I needed to punch my final buck tag of the year, my Ohio whitetail tag in order to have a follow-up to our last podcast, that tag had to be punched. And well, my friend, we're back on the air. So you know what that means. That means that you got the job done. And, you know, I wanted to set this thing up because I, I hopped on our, our message uh, history, you know, on, on my phone. And by the way, just as an aside, Clint, if we posted our entire message history on like a public place where everyone could see it, I'd probably lose my job and people would think that you oh, and yeah. I are both completely <laughs> insane. Because I was going back yeah. and I was like, I was like, so when did Clint... Clint killed this buck and I was scrolling back and you were calling me a sexy beast and you were telling me how I was your hero and you know I love you Clint because you must tell me that you're I'm your hero like at least two or three times a week and that's only two or three times fewer than you tell me that my boy Timmy is your hero and we all know that Timmy is is both of our real heroes um, but we don't have time to get into Timmy right now the point is I went back in my message history here and I'm like when did and so I, I got to get to it here. January the 18th, I get a text from Clint Casper, 27 and snowing, four inches now and more coming. Oh, baby, my opportunity is coming. I can feel it. And we texted a little bit on the 18th, which is a Saturday. And then yep. I think you were out plowing snow all that night. And yep. if I am correct, you pretty much went right into Sunday and on zero sleep after having hunted deer for four months. So four months yep. of hunting, a whole night of plowing, zero sleep, like sub-freezing temperatures, fresh snow on the ground, not the kind of like conditions that I'm relishing for my whitetail hunts, Clint. You can't wait to get out in a tree. So I've set it up for you, pal. Tell me what happens. Yeah, no, you set it up great because it was just one. I, I just felt like that weekend was it. Um, it was 
17 degrees and snowed a bunch that Saturday on the 18th and then rolling into the 19th, checking the hourly. I knew I was going to have the absolute perfect wind to get in this spot. Um, already had, already had a stand and stuff, had two stands already in place, was going to use my sticks, um, to get in there super quiet. And I just, I just felt, I just felt it, man. I just, I thought, you know what, this buck's going to be in here. It was going to be nine degrees, um, hardly any wind at all. I think it was like five, six mile per hour. So just enough to keep my thermals in my, and, you know, scenting everything in my face and blowing the direction I needed. And I just felt it. It just felt like the conditions were right. It was the first time all year. Um, I'm going to say, I, I haven't actually added it up, but I'm going to say probably every bit of in that 75 to 85 days of bow hunting. And in between that was bow hunting mule deer and, and Montana or in uh, Colorado and Utah mixed in with, you know, the Ohio stuff. But I'm going to say anywhere from 75 to 85 days of actual hunting in Ohio. That was the first I'd say span of two days that it just completely felt like I knew it was going to happen. I just, I just really truly felt like either Saturday night or Sunday night was going to be my ticket. And when I saw that snow rolling in, I'm just like, man, Sunday, the day after nine degrees, it's just going to be, it's just going to be it. He's going to come through there. And it was, uh, it was a long year. Uh, I struggled early to get on, um, a buck of the caliber that I wanted, um, ended up, uh, getting on a buck that I thought was actually thought he was older than what he really was. Um, had him come in in October and, and he was a three, four year old deer and just a deer that I felt like needed another year. So, um, he was off the list. So it was on to find another one, got in on a giant, hunted him for a couple months. He actually shed his horns. Um, he shed antlers the, in between the fourth and the sixth of January. So I've got this weather coming. I know cold and snow's coming. I'm thinking, man, this is my opportunity. This is a mega giant. Um, you know, man, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm hunting hard and antlers fall off. Um, shows up on camera. Boom. They're gone. So now I'm scrambling. I'm like, man, I, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta change. I'm moving cameras. I'm, I'm, I'm glassing fields in the evening. I'm, I'm just doing everything now that I can to try to, to locate um, another, you know, mature buck. And this buck I actually had in the summertime and he disappeared. Um, he stripped velvet the last week of August and, um, stripped pretty early stripped last week of August. And that was it. I think I had one or two hard horn pictures of him in November, just sporadic. And that was it. I have no idea where he went. Um, went back to an area that he was in early and lo and behold, he shows up, uh, get some pictures of him. It's close to daylight. So now I'm, I'm, I'm game planning. I'm scheming on, okay. You know, where, where I'm looking at my onyx and looking at maps and I'm thinking, all right, you know, he's coming from this direction. The wind's doing this. And I put this plan together of where I thought he was staying, moved in, uh, put two cameras out. And then I put one on a uh, winter wheat field that was close by, just trying to connect the dots. Um, and lo and behold, um, started getting some daylight pictures of him. And I'm like, okay, now I know where he's staying. And he's, he's, you know, he's making his way out of this big draw in feeding in these oaks, coming to this winter wheat. Now I just need the right wind and the right weather. And uh, lo and behold, a, a week later, you know, I saw that big snow coming and those cold temperatures. And I'm just like, oh, if, if this is going to happen, it's going to be right now. And, uh, yeah, stars just aligned. It was about, uh, 4:45 uh, in the evening on that 19th of January. 
Uh, had some does filter through early, fed right by 20 some yards, feeding on acorns, working towards that winter wheat. You know, it was just perfect. Um, I just, like I said, I just felt it. I just knew that was going to be the night and um, saw him coming and just immediately, uh, he was just one of those bucks that you didn't need to put binoculars on him. Saw him coming through the timber and, and just, just, you know, big blocky chest, big body, five, six year old plus buck you know, big old bladed brows, just big frame. I mean, just an immediate like, oh, yeah, there he is. That's him. And, uh, yeah, came up and, and you know, gave me a uh, – it was 20, uh, 27 yards, just slightly quartering away, uh, just absolutely perfect, man. Put a put a sever 1.5 right through the right through the pump house and actually got to watch him tip over, you know, about 150 yards away. So it, it was just an absolutely awesome feeling to finally get that tag filled and, and it was a year of ups and downs and trials and tribulations and you know a lot of people's like oh man that kind of sucks you had to work and hunt clear into january but i'll be the first to tell you and to those who don't know me christian will vouch for this i absolutely love the cold i love the snow and i love the late season and grinding it out like the way i had to do it um i couldn't have wrote it out any better to be honest i mean i i i love to work for him and i definitely had to work for this one well, you sure did, and uh, like you said, you you relish the challenge. You absolutely oh, yeah. yep. you live for the grind. You know, there's 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 different kinds of personalities, obviously, right? I mean, all different kinds of people, all different yep. kinds of hunters, yep. and you know, you're one of those grinders. You know, you're just a and and, and you know, you and I talk about it all the time. Um, you know, you'll be the first to sort of um, tell people, listen, I, I don't necessarily think that there's anything, you know, not that you're not a, an excellent bow hunter. You are. But the point is, it's not that you do one particular thing 800 times better than everyone else other than yep. you just don't quit. You will not quit. Yep. You will not give up. You don't care how cold it is. You don't care how hard the wind's blowing. You don't care how many days you've sat out there and not seen diddly squat. You're going hunting tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's the attitude. Yep. And that's where, you know, you excel. And certainly you, you, you far exceed me because I'm, I'm like one of those guys where I target like those prime times. Of course, we'll get into the fact you actually targeted a prime time. That just doesn't happen yeah. to be a, yep. a, pri a prime time that I happen to, to appreciate as much as you. But I'm a big rut guy. You know, like I'll I'll just yep. tar target those prime rut days. I'll try to clear my schedule, get enough time in a tree in the right place on the right days. And it's like, I just want to get it done in November. At least that's my goal, right? Every year, if I get get to that, you know, peak peak rut period or pre-rut period. I'm targeting that. I want to get the first good buck that comes by. I'm going to punch my tag and I'm going to move on. But Clint Casper is a different kind of animal. And by the way, as a total aside, completely changing the subject, you're over your quota of lo and beholds for the whole episode because you use that like four times or five times when you were telling us about this hunt. So every time, <laughs> every time for the rest of today's episode that you, you use the phrase lo and behold, it's uh, $50 off of your next article payment. So if you do that enough times before we get off the phone today, you're going to actually owe me money for your next piece that you have in the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on that because I got so pumped telling the story and so excited I didn't even catch that. So I'm glad you did. <laughs> 
Well, um, you know, in, in all seriousness, though, it, really, I mean, you just you just grind it out. And this year, like you said, it, you had you had a divided loyalties. Really, is is you know one thing that kind of probably hurt you as much as anything. I know we had some funny weather this year, and I know that oh, you yeah. kind you kind of struggled to get. Uh, you know, pattern patterns established on some big bucks over the course of the yep. fall. But, you know, it didn't help that you were just out of town, uh, you know, how many different times, at least probably, what, three different weeks over the course of the fall. You're in Colorado, you're in uh, Utah, and then you didn't score the first time in Utah, so you actually went yep. back, you went know. Back. And, and so, man, it's, let's face it, right? It's not easy killing a matured buck yeah, if that's your only sole focus. Now, if you're trying to do three things at once, then man, you're you're, you're really compounding your your uh, hurdles that you've got to get over. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm with you know with having two little guys. You know, my youngest Keaton, he just turned one, and Easton will be four, and uh, getting crops off with dad in the fall, and then I work a full time job and. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm busy. Uh, I love to be busy. I, I love staying busy. So, I mean, I, that, that aspect, um, of my life, I love, but, oh yeah. I mean, when you're trying to mix in elk tags, mule deer tags, antelope tags, whitetail tags, um, you know, I left in October mid season to go hunt, uh, the Wasatch front in Utah on a, on a really good muley tag realistically that's a prime month for me whitetail wise i mean it's it was kind of hard to leave because i kill a lot of my bucks in october i mean I, i'm an october fan I'll, I'll take october or january any day of the week over the rut in november and i, and I know there's going to be guys dropping their their drinks right now because that's a lot of people would say i'm nuts but i Nobody, nobody, nobody drinks when they listen to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. This is a serious show, and people want to be <laughs> of sober mind so that they can absorb every kernel of wisdom well, that comes from your mouth. It, it, it could be water or pop, I'm saying. I mean, it, it could be water gotcha. or pop. But regardless, yeah, so I left then um, and got my behind kicked um, in October out there. and. On the plane ride back home, I just made my mind up that there's, I just can't accept to leave Utah and leave that tag and have, um, that taste in my mouth of just, wow, I, I really got my head kicked in on this one. So I decided right then and there, okay, in November, mid November prime whitetail rut. Well, that's also the prime mule deer rut out there. And whether I had a whitetail tag filled or not. I made my mind up around the 14th or 15th. I was heading back to Utah and I was going to try to get a, get a redemption tag filled. Um, ended up going out there and getting it done real early, uh, which was awesome. But I left probably the best week of the whitetail rut, um, jumped on a plane and headed to Utah. So that didn't exactly help my whitetail tag. Um, you know, I, I missed some good weather. I missed some really good, I'm a big all day guy. I missed some prime days to hunt all day, but got it done in Utah. was super excited about that. Came back, uh, and just started the whole grind over again. You know, it was, um, I love that post rut. You know, I love the end of November. Um, I really enjoy that. And I, I got into some bucks, but it just, just didn't work out. Um, actually 
come to think of it, I did not bend the limbs back on a whitetail until the 19th of January when I drew back on my buck that I killed. I, I mean, I didn't come to full draw one time in the whole season during the Ohio season on a buck. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going back through my mind. Yeah. Not one time. I drew back my first time on that night that I killed my buck. So yeah, it was, um, it was a grind and, and it was a long season, but it was fun. Um, you know, I'm, I'm one of the guys where I'm not the best shooter in the world. Um, I don't view myself as having the best bow hunting skills in the world. Uh, so I put all my eggs in one basket. I don't know how to quit. And I just continue to go until I either fill a tag or season ends. And if season ends and I don't get it done, I can sit back and go, well, I gave it my all and I absolutely put every blood, sweat and tear that I could into it. And you know what? It just wasn't meant to be. It didn't happen. But that's, that's where I put all my eggs. I put them in the basket of just hard work pays off and grinding it out pays off. And some years it does, some years it doesn't. But that's, that's just where my mindset always is, is I just, I got to keep trudging along. And eventually, I hopefully get that opportunity. And when you do get it, you got to capitalize on it. And um, over the years, I've learned that the mental game in bow hunting, in my opinion, is the most uh, important aspect that a guy can have if he wants to be successful because when you finally get the opportunity you might have worked 60 70 80 days to get that man you got to make it count and um i really pride myself on being mentally sharp and just being prepared for that moment and when it does arise i i really try to focus on the task at hand and and getting it done because that might be the only opportunity you get unfortunately in years past when i was younger and not as mentally sharp i've let opportunities get away for just lack of focus. And that was it. I got one opportunity and that was it. I went the rest of the year, uh, and never got to do it again. And I've really taken those to heart and took them on the chin. And I've learned from that. I really try to, you know, make the most of a situation that I get. Um, and I think that's honestly the only thing that, that will separate me from other people is, is just the grind. And I really try to focus hard on when I get to bend the limbs back, it's all business. Um, and I've learned oh, that from trial yeah. and error. I'm glad you mentioned, you know, the mental game because that's what I want. I was getting ready to ask you about because I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about, you know, the amount of time that you spent in the field throughout the fall. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, you know, I wonder if Clint, right, because you, you and I, we know each other pretty well and we, we're in communication pretty regularly throughout the season. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I wonder sometimes, I'm like, I wonder if Clint ever just has those days where he wakes up and he's like, man, I just don't, I just don't feel like going and sitting in the tree today. Or I wonder if he has those afternoons where he's sitting there, you know, for like the fourth or fifth or sixth day in a row and he hasn't seen a good buck, you know, all week and he's just feeling discouraged, man. Or so, you know, like, cause I'm thinking, man, that's just human. So, so the question is, you know, do you have those times and how do you get past it? Or do you think it's just like you've got this certain personality where, I don't know, man, I just don't get tired of it. I, I don't really relate to like when other people say that because I just never, I don't get down. I don't get tired of it. Which is it? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I just, I love to bow hunt so much and it, it's just, I love every aspect and everything about it. Um, I, I just, I absolutely am just, um, 
in a way, I guess you could say obsessed with the whole process and every chance I get to go, I mean, I'm enjoying myself. And, um, even the, the days that are a struggle and things aren't going my way, I'm still bow hunting. And I just absolutely am still having the time of my life. I mean, besides spending time with, with my two boys and, and getting to watch them grow and, and whatnot. I mean, there's just nothing better for me. I just, you know, there's days where, um, I do feel like, uh, I mentally put, you know, too much pressure on myself or, you know, I'm, I'm my biggest critic. I've always been that way in sports, um, in bow hunting, in life and being a dad. I mean, I'm just, I'm very hard on myself, but I think that pushes me though. And in, in, in times where, uh, somebody else might start to get bored or might start, uh, potentially slack off a little bit, uh, something just kicks in my head and it just, it honestly makes me better. It makes me focus in more. It makes me more hungry. Um, but I think a lot of that has to do with, I, I just, I love to bow hunt. I mean, I absolutely just love every second and, and I know every day is a gift and, and tomorrow's not promised. And, um, I just really try to always be as positive and, and have that mindset of, um, I guess you could call it like in sports, like in basketball, it's like, it's, it's a shooter's mindset. Um, the late great Kobe and Michael Jordan, those guys, they lived for that last shot with 2.1 seconds left. I mean, and whether they missed it or not, it, it wasn't a matter of, of, um, of if it was just a matter of when, you know, and that's kind of how I feel whenever I'm bow hunting. It's just, it's not a matter of, am I going to get an opportunity? It's a matter of when am I going to get it? And just making sure I'm constantly prepared for that. And that's just kind of the mindset that I've, I guess, adapted to over the years is I just really try to focus on staying mentally in it and positive and not letting doubt, not letting any of that stuff creep in. So honestly, no, I mean, I really don't have days where I don't want to be there. I mean, there's no place else I'd rather be, like I said, outside of spending time with my boys. Bow hunting starts that for me. I mean, I just absolutely love it. So it's, uh, um, I guess there is no bad day of bow hunting for me because that's what realistically I, I love to do and I, I dream about doing every day. That's what, it's what I think about. So, yeah, I guess I'm kind of one of those psychos, I guess you could say. <laughs> I mean, now it's not psycho. You just, you are who you are and you don't, you don't have to apologize for it by any means. Right, you know, it's, right. it, it's funny. Um, I, you know, and I would think, and I don't want to give anyone the impression by any means that I don't love bow hunting, of course. Right. It's just that I know, right. I know that Clint can, uh, Clint can deal with things that I just don't want to deal with. And, you know, it's funny. You, you talked about how like every day is a gift and you don't really have times. Um, you know, there's a really common saying in in hunting in general, you know, not just bow hunting, any kind of hunting. We've all yep. heard guys say, and we've probably said it ourselves, you know, it's the old adage, a bad day of hunting beats a good day yep. at work, work right? Absolutely. And ev everybody yep. says that. And I'm actually, it's funny because I often will tell people, uh, I'll be in hunting camps sometimes and a guy will say that and I'll be like, you know what, buddy, like, I don't want to be a jerk, but I think that's total BS because I'm going to tell you something. I've been out there on days when like it's 35 mile an hour winds and you're surfing up in the tree and thunderstorms roll in and you get soaked to the bone and like you're not seeing anything and then you get cold because you're wet and you're like miserable and shivering and I'm like, you know what? I have had times out in the woods where I'm like, 
you know what? I just assume have been in the office today. I could have gotten a whole bunch of stuff done. I could have hunted tomorrow when it's actually going to be nice out and I've got a decent chance of killing a deer. And it doesn't mean necessarily that that means that I loved bow hunting, you know, less than you. It's just a different perspective of how I look at things sometimes. And for me, it's like, I want to enjoy, like you talked about how you enjoy every minute that you have out there and you probably are somehow able to draw some pleasure even from that pain if you will whereas for me it's oh, like yeah. I, I want to enjoy every minute that i'm bow hunting too and i just know that for me there's certain conditions or times or things about it or maybe i've got too much stuff going on with the family or whatever where i'm going to be stressed out if i go there where there's times that i won't go because i know that i won't enjoy it and i think you and i even though our our perspectives might be a little different we'd agree on one thing which is the whole point of doing it is to enjoy it and so if you're not going to yep. enjoy it don't bother going you know and so so it's all about yep. you know it, 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 it's all about that enjoyment and the rejuvenation you know recreation right what is recreation it's recreation if you're not feeding yep. into your soul with the time that you're out there then then there then it ceases to sort of be productive so you know to the to the fact that you can hunt you know that many days and 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 just not get down i mean man that is something where i do feel like hey i admire that about you and that is where you set yourself apart from a lot of other folks um, another thing that you had uh, talked about that I wanted to touch on as you were talking about all this time that you spend, uh, you had mentioned how you really like uh, early and late. And, and you know, you and I had had a private yep. com conversation about that just recently. And um, like you said, you know, a lot of people uh, get caught up in, in the rut and you really like know how good these opportunities early and late can be. And so specifically, yep. you know, in regards to this hunt, talk about what it is about that late uh, season that, you know, makes it ideal for you and, and get into some of the specifics of how how it is that you managed to find this particular buck that you ended up killing. You know, walk us through the process of, you know, finding the deer. Tell us a little bit more detail about the kind of habitat and terrain where he was hanging out and and how did you get your game plan together for hunting him? You know, is it something where you already had a stand in place or did you actually have to go in and, you know, create some new setups for yourself and figure out how you're going to get in, get out um, and also any other special considerations, obviously, in the late season, right? You don't have cover. Um, you know, you mentioned you saw the deer fall 150 yards away. I'm going to just guess that if you had shot that same deer in the same place in October, you wouldn't have been able to see that far, you know, so things are different in the late season. So just talk about all that stuff. And then, you know, hopefully as you, as you talk, you know, we're, we're all going to glean some things that we can use in our, in our own hunts here in the future. Yeah, no, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we've talked about it a, a lot and I mean, you know, me from just our conversation and from being good buddies the last few years, I love that late hunt. Um, I, for me, it's just a fun time to be out. I, I love, um, I love the cold. I love the snow. I always have, I think it's just fun to hunt in those conditions. Uh, not a lot of people are still in the woods. I mean, honestly, um, you've got a lot of places to yourself again. Um, you know, guys have either a tagged out or B it's, it's Super Bowl football playoff time. And they're thinking about that, which is fine. Um, 
the bows get hung up, the gun seasons are over. Um, you know, I, I just feel like deer almost go back to being deer and kind of not that they relax, but they're, they're back on patterns again. I mean, they're grouped up, you know, your feed and food is king. Um, some places I've got it's ag fields that they're coming to other places, um, where there's big timber and big woods, you got to locate, um, acorns are dropping. And I mean, honestly, uh, I do a lot of boots on the ground. Um, in late season, uh, when I transition from the rut to late season, after the gun seasons are over and all that, uh, food and cover and, and, you know, um, in my opinion, it's, you've got to hunt them differently than you would ever hunt, like say the rut or early season, because they have been hunted here in Ohio. Our deer start getting hunted last, uh, let's see the last Saturday in September, every year we come in and we don't go out till the first Sunday in February. And that archery season never, never goes out. So you got that going on. You also mix in a youth hunt. Uh, you mix in a seven day shotgun, a four day shotgun and a four day muzzleloader. So, I mean, these deer have been hunted a lot, you know, they've been pressured. They've seen it all. They've heard it all. So they're tuned on. Um, you have no, no cover like you mentioned. Um, so that's a different aspect when you're hanging stands and stuff. So for me, it all starts with, you got to find a buck to hunt. Um, this particular buck, um, I actually, like I said, he had been around in the summer. Um, I was starting from scratch and I thought, you know what, let's just go back to this area. Uh, there was a couple late dropping, um, oaks in there. I had a feeling that there might be some deer hitting those and then heading up towards a winter wheat field that dad and I had planted, um, back in October, probably three, 400 yards in between the, um, the wheat field and where the oaks would were going to be. So I thought, okay, this would be a good transition zone from bed to feed. Um, let's start there. Um, I key in on south facing slopes during this time of the year for bedding. Number one, they get the most sun. Um, so the deer can lay there in bed and during the day and they're going to get to soak up that warmth. Also this crazy weather we've had where it's 51 day, 20, the next there's actually green grass that started to grow. And on those South sides, South facing, you've actually got some forage and stuff starting to grow again. So there's actually some feed starting to, you know, not a lot, but you've got little, little, you know, little shoots and you got little um, spots of clover and grass and things that are starting to come up because of the mild winter that we've had. So I said, okay, I'm going to key in on South slope. I know there's oaks there that, that didn't drop till late. Potentially there's still some acorns left. Let's start there. I went in there with two cameras. Um, I found a bunch of sign, um, trails, uh, scat. I had, you know, uh, there was a, there was a lot of sign that told me deer had been there and that deer were there right now, not in the rut, not early season, but it was fresh sign right now. So hung two cameras, got out of there, um, was continuing to run cameras in other spots, kind of doing the exact same thing went back five or six days later, checked them. Lo and behold, this buck's in there. So now I'm thinking, okay, I start pretty much every buck that I try to pattern. I try to really go through the pictures and try to figure out right off the rip, what wind he likes. Um, typically my strategy is I want to see what direction he's coming from what days he was there. And then I'm going to immediately look up those days on my phone and see what the wind was doing, what the weather was doing. And I'm trying to find a correlation 
just so happened that this buck on east winds was moving way early than any other wind. He was almost in daylight every single time there was an east wind. So now, I thought, okay. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you there. So yep, yep. Any, any theory as to why that's the case? Was there something in particular about the way an east wind related to where you thought he was bedding and feeding that would have prompted that? Or is it just yeah. – he? go ahead. No, no, no. You're hundred. You're you're absolutely absolutely right with where you're going. Um, my first thought was, okay, south facing slope. He's betting. The way this field's positioned with an east wind, he's able to basically quarter the wind. So the wind is is not blowing directly in his face, but it's blowing enough in his face to where he can scent check the entire way from his bed to that field. So in my opinion, that was allowing him to feel safe. Now, a wind that would, would have been straight out of the, um, the south also was going to be good for him. And as I learned, he liked that wind too, but that wind was going to be bad for me. Going in and going out, that south wind was going to kill me. So the east wind is what I really keyed in on. Uh, okay, on east winds, I can hunt this buck. Basically, my whole game plan was I didn't know 100% exactly what thicket he was in, but I knew the direction he was coming from, and that's all I needed. I knew on east winds and south winds, but like I said, the south wind was no good for me to hunt on. I knew on an east wind I was going to be able to get in there undetected and catch him kind of transitioning from those acorns over to that winter wheat field. So my, my game plan was I wanted to get as tight to those oaks as I could with the east wind still going to be in my favor. And that's what I did. I actually set up two stands. Um, one was right in the oaks, which is the primary spot I wanted to get to. But since I don't get off work till 3.30, I set another stand up that was further off in between where the oaks were and the field. And that was going to be my stand after work. I could get into a little quicker. The other one primarily was going to be like on days where I wasn't working or the weekends. Um, you know, I was, I was trying to set myself up to where no matter what, I was going to have a shot and give myself an opportunity, you know, because I didn't want to only be able to hunt weekends. And with my schedule, I plow snow and do stuff in the winter. So it's kind of hit or miss sometimes on, you know, when I'm going to work and when I'm not on the weekends, because you just never know what's going to happen with the snow and ice. So I got stands already hung and, and went in there, got stuff trimmed. Um, just so happened that I was able to get into two oaks. They didn't have a ton of leaves left. They had a little bit, but what was nice is both trees had a bunch of grapevines hanging from them. And I was able to tuck stands in around those vines to where it really, really broke me up. And then I'm a big fan of the actual sticks. Um, Lone Wolf Custom Gear has these four, four pack of mini sticks. And I really like them for late season. Um, and there's a couple reasons why in early season, I run a lot of sticks where like they're 20, 25 foot sections. You put them together, um, you put them up the tree and you can strap them up as you go. And those are great in late season though. What I've found is those creak. Oh, I mean, they, they, they just, they're very noisy. They creak almost every step, every section you go up, they make a pop noise or they make a noise. 
And in the early season and even into the rut, when it's not that cold and things aren't, you know, it's not nine degrees out, that doesn't tend to happen. So in late season, that's one of my little tricks. I mean, I really try to minimize noise. And that's something that I can basically go up the tree without any pop, any crack, any, you know, there's just, there's nothing there for me to alert deer with my presence of going up. So I had two stands set. I was able to run the sticks. I can, I mean, I can go up a tree in two, three minutes with those sticks. You know, um, I got a little system on my vest where I'm able to hook in, move up, attach one, hook up, move up. You know, it's, it's, it takes me four minutes to go up maybe at most. Um, so I'm really, really cautious about obviously the wind sense a huge deal any time of the year, but late season, the noise factor, you, you just absolutely cannot have a stand or sticks or a ladder or anything that's going to creak or pop. Or if you're shifting your weight as you're trying to draw your bow or anything like that, I mean, it's just got to be dead silent. And for me, um, I've been using lone wolf custom gear stuff the last couple of years. And I mean, I just, I just really like it. it it's really worked so, well for me. I know there's other stands out there that are, are really good too in late season. But um, what I would tell people is find a stand that you really like and test it out when it's super cold because you just can't have any cracks or creaks or pops in that late season. I mean, it's almost like you shoot a gun off when that happens. Um, those deer are just on so high alert because they've been hunted for four or five months. So you're, you're taking those sticks down every hunt? You were taking the sticks down and, and putting them back up every time you went back in? Yeah, what I was doing was is if I knew I was going to be able to get back in there that day, like say this, like for example, if I was going to be able to hunt my deeper stand um, and it was a Saturday and I knew I was going to be able to hunt Sunday, I would leave them up. But then on Sunday, I'd take them with me because I knew on Monday through Friday when I worked and didn't get off till 3.30, I was going to have to probably hunt that other stand that wasn't quite as deep in. So I would put them up and then run that the rest of the week. But, um, you know, uh, I mean, I guess a guy could have ran just two sets. I just have one set that I use. I do a lot of run and gun hunting, climb up with the four sticks, set my stand, hunt, climb down, take it all with me. I mean, I've just really adapted. I, I really like that system. So that's kind of what, what I do a lot. And in this case, I hung two stands where all I had to do was climb up with my sticks and climb down. And if I was going to be in the other one, the next time I would just take my sticks with me as I was coming down. Um, but that's something that when I was younger, I didn't pay attention as much to the creeks, the pops, the stands, you know, some stands that wouldn't make a noise in October what sounded like you were jumping up and down in them in December and January and they were cracking and popping, um, almost like you were crinkling up a, a pop can. And I mean, that's just, I mean, I'm not going to lie. That's cost me some big deer when I was younger and just didn't pay attention to those fine details. So that's something that I really key in on now is you've got to have a setup that is dead, just dead quiet. I mean, you just can't afford any type of sound. Um, and that's really you know, that's really something I key in on. And I'm sure you can relate. I mean, there's lots of good stand companies out there, but you definitely got to find one that, that you've got total faith and trust in. And, uh, my setup that I was hunting this buck in, like I said, I just, I really felt like I could be up there jumping around. And I mean, there was just no noise. I mean, I was a hundred percent confident in that aspect of my game was spot on. Um, oh, you know, absolutely. Just, I wasn't, yeah. wasn't I mean, worried about that at all. I mean, I'll, I really I can't stand stands that are like what you're talking about, you know, if they're noisy like yep. that. And I mean, yep. it's a killer. I, when I go hunt, if I hunt with an outfitter and they take you to a stand like that, 
I'll just reset the stand, you know? Yeah. I'll just, yep. I'll just yep. tell the guy, like, I'm not going to go back in that stand unless we reset it, which means, you know, I mean, I've, I've basically got my lineman's belt out, you know, basically take the strap off the stand and re reattach the stand of the tree and re redo all the sticks. I mean, otherwise it's kind of, it's kind of pointless to, to your point, you know, you're going to invest all, all that time to be out in the woods. What's the point if you're going to like literally try and stand up or shift your weight while that buck is coming in and then, you know, you're busted right then it's totally pointless. So yeah, you can't have it. Can't have that. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's always a million things going through my mind as a deer's coming in and I'm trying to get focused. The last thing I want to do is have to tiptoe around and be on pins and needles hoping that my stand doesn't creak or hoping that as I go from my second section of ladder to my third section there's not this big pop or or, or clang or you know, that's just that's just one thing I you know, I mean that the old saying, if there's something that can go wrong, it will go wrong. I mean, that's just one thing that I want to take out of the equation right off the get go is I don't want to have to worry. There's enough things to worry about in the moment of truth. That's something that I don't want to have to worry about. Um, and like you said, it's just something that you've really got to take into your own hands. And if it's not working, you got to figure out a way to fix it. Um, you know, you made a good point about resetting stands and, and, um, Sometimes over the course of a year, you just have to do that. I mean, I've had different sets over the years where for whatever reason, they didn't make a noise in October, but on November 10th, they started to make a noise and it was like, okay, I got to get this fixed right now. Not tomorrow, not a week from now, right now we're getting it fixed. And it's just something you just got to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, So let's talk a little bit about entry and exit you know where'd you park your truck how far did you have to walk to get to these stands so i was able to park actually only about maybe 300 yards um was able to park and then i had to walk up over a hill and down the next side into a creek bottom was able to use a pretty steep ravine um to hide my entry and exit um it was nice because there was water running down through it, um, which did two things. I was able to pretty much walk down through the water, which covered scent, and then the noise would block any leaves or any rustling that I was making while getting in there. You know, that water was constantly running, um, not super loud, but loud enough to where it was probably blocking anything, any little bit of noise that I was making on the ground. Um, was able to jump right up out of that you know, right up out of that little ravine and my stand was right at the end of it, um, down on the bottom. And then basically kind of what my, in theory, my plan was, okay, I'm going to catch this buck. He's bedding on a South facing slope. He's in, he's in one of these thickets. He's going to come up in through here, um, into these acorn flats and he's going to feed. And as he's feeding, he's working his way uphill. Um, my plan was to, basically catch him as he was heading from the oaks feeding up into where the winter wheat was, was above me. Um, the biggest concern I had about the, about this was, was going to be getting out. Um, I already had it made in my mind that if a deer passed at dark, I was going to wait at least 20, 30 minutes and make sure that they completely got up out of there over the hill the wheat field was in the opposite direction of my truck, which I, which was very important because I, I did not want to bump deer or bust deer 
that were close to that field or heading to that field. I wanted to basically be able to drop in the middle between the wheat and the oaks and come in that way. And if deer were filtering by me at dark, I was just going to have to stay put 20, 30 minutes past dark and just walk out in the dark. You know, well, obviously we're going to walk out in the dark, but walk out in the, you know, absolute pitch black dark um, and not spook those deer. Uh, that was going to be my main concern was when I go in, I just do not want to bump any deer. And the few times that I went in there before I killed him, um, you know, I was able to do that. Um, a couple times I didn't, I was able to get down right after dark and I didn't have deer. Uh, one time I got in there and there were deer and I probably sat in my tree in the complete black dark for 25, 30 minutes until I literally couldn't hear him anymore. And then I felt confident that nothing was coming. They had already worked way past me, got down, got out of there, never got blown at. Um, all was good, you know? Um, but it was the, actually the first night that I was able to get down into that actual right on the Oaks is when I was able to kill him. It was the first night in that deeper set the set that I really, really wanted to be in. Um, I got in there about two fifteen, two thirty that afternoon, took my time. I knew it was going to be a cold three, three and a half hour sit, but I mean, just got bundled up and had hand warmers and was in it for the long haul and, um, had my sticks with me, got those up, um, super quiet, got in my tree. Um, man, perfect wind, just super cold, perfect conditions. Uh, and you know, was just able to basically capitalize on an opportunity that I really, truly felt like was going to present itself. I had the confidence, I had everything in my favor. Uh, I just really felt like it was going to come together that night and, you know, had a few does come by me. He never knew I was there. Saw him coming, came in, I think it was 27 yards feeding. I mean, absolutely no idea I was there. Um, so it worked out perfect, but I think the biggest thing that, if I had to pinpoint one thing about that hunt for that particular buck, I think the biggest thing was just coming up with a game plan and not just bum rushing right in um, just because I had some pictures that were close to daylight. I mean, I really took my time to look at Onyx and, and really try to figure out, okay, South facing slope, where is he probably at? Um, there was some really big thickets and some, some, uh, some steep stuff that I thought he was probably staying in that was keeping him out of the weather south facing slope like i talked about with the sun hitting him i mean you know I, I just really tried to take my time and put together a master plan of okay i'm pretty sure he's here i'm pretty sure he's doing this i'm really sure this is where i can kill him uh and i think that made the difference i think if if i would have just ran in there and and um just kind of jumped the gun um guns a blazing without having a plan i think you know it could have ended a lot differently but i think by you know, back in my younger years, that's what I would have done. I would have been in there the next day, just, you know, uh, just, okay, he's in here. I, I got to get in here. I got to hunt. And as I've gotten older, I've kind of taken a little bit different approach. I mean, yeah, I still want to hunt as much as I can, but scouting and really putting a plan together for the perfect attack is better than just bum rushing in there with kind of this half-hearted attack that, eh, I'm not really quite sure if it's going to work or not, but we're going to try it. Whereas, this deal was, man, I felt so confident that this plan was going to work out. Um, you know, I just, like I said, I just took my time and I really think that made a big difference. And, um, I was able to not alert deer and, 
and I was able to have a good entry and a good exit. And I think that played a huge factor um, in getting this buck killed because I was in there two or three times before I actually got him killed. So, I mean, that was two or three times to alert him, alert other deer, kind of get things messed up. But because of that entry and exit, my game plan, I mean, those deer had no clue that I was even in there hunting them. Yeah, so one other thing, you know, as we kind of wrap it up for today's episode, um, kind of tying into some of the things we were talking at the beginning, you know, um, talk about, you mentioned Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Man, that yep. was crazy. Yep. That was cr- that was crazy about Kobe, oh, wasn't it? So oh, sad. Man, that was so, so sad. sad. That was like gosh so him and his daughter just oh my gosh i guarantee you you just that's not a reminder to all of us to like make every day count i don't know what is oh yeah yep but uh but you know you talked about how you know it's not a matter of if you're going to get your opportunity it's a matter of when and although we'd all at least you know we all think we'd like to go out on the very first day and shoot a 200 inch buck the truth of the matter is it's arguably a lot more gratifying to do it on the 80th day of the hunt in the middle of January, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I've, my biggest buck to date, I killed on the opening night of bow season. And, um, I still remember to this day, I really thought that night I was, I I don't know. I just, I just, I thought I was going to kill that deer that night. And, and it just so happened that I did. Um, and not saying it can't happen on the first day, but you know, a lot of times, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it just, it usually doesn't pan out that way. Uh, the following year I hunted like 96 or 97 days to get my buck killed that I wanted. So it's like, you know, it's a, I've just always been an opportunistic guy, you know, like when, when the opportunity presents itself, I'm like, okay, here's the time, you know, but, um, I think that shooter mentality and that confidence of every day I go out, I just kind of think like, all right, today, you know what, today could be the day. And, and if today's the day I'm ready. And I do feel like there are certain times though, where I don't know, it's just like the stars align. And I just really, truly am like, Oh man, I, I just know without a doubt in the next day or two or the, or this weather, you know, this cold front or, or this, portion of the rut or whatever like there's just certain times where i just have really really felt like man it's going to happen at any moment it's going to break loose and it's funny because a lot of times that like gut instinct is right you know and uh but i i think it just goes back to just being ready for the moment because there's been times where i've been sitting there middle of the day and and i'm reading a book or i'm just kind of dozing off and oh my gosh here comes a buck here he comes and it's like within five seconds you're drawn back and you went from zero to a hundred in, in, you know, 20 seconds and, and you've got to be ready to make it count when it's the opportunity presents itself. And I mean, you know, you know how it is. I mean, you've killed a lot of, a lot of big critters in your day. And, uh, when the opportunity comes, man, you, you just, you have to be able to make it happen. And I think that's something that, um, as a younger bow hunter, I struggled with, I got to that moment and then I would get rattled. Um, I was thinking about, man, how am I going to mount this buck? Wait till my buddies see this. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to call my dad. And all these thoughts would run through my mind. Whatever. I should have been focused on pick a hair, pick a spot. I'm going to get drawn back. We're going to anchor. We're going to get this buck killed. He's not getting out of here without me running an arrow through him. That's just all there is to it. And now I have that mindset 
where it's I'm focused and it's all business until after I watch my arrow disappear and hit the spot I want. And then I can kind of unleash and it can be, okay, now I got to call Christian. I mean, actually, uh, it's funny with this buck. So I shoot, the, I shoot this buck. I watch him tip over and um, I, I always call my dad. He's always my first call. I mean, he's, he's just, he's always been my go-to. I'm all jacked up. I'm pumped up. I call dad. And then the, my next call was actually, was you and, was you and Martonic, was you and Bo. I called you two guys next. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you could probably tell I was excited to say the least. I don't really remember quite oh, exactly I, what I said to either, to any of uh, you guys. Uh, oh, you were, remember. you were, you were, you I were, you were, yeah, you were out of your mind. Yeah. You were, you were up there yeah, in the tree and you're fun. like, you're like, oh man, it's, you know, hit, he's down. It happened, you know, typical, you know, you got your adrenaline rush, your euphoria, oh, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah. I, you know, Hey, Timmy had told you, you know, and Timmy told me, listen, I don't want to hear from Clint again until he gets his tag filled. And, uh, that's right. You called it, dude. You you're like the Patrick Mahomes of the bow hunting world, you know. Down oh, ten. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, dude. <laughs> I don't know da- about that. Down ten points in the fourth quarter. Season is ticking down. There's not that many, yep. you know, not that much more time, and and you're behind, you know, and you've got this tag, and 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 the deer has the advantage, and it's like, you know, Pat Mahomes gets the ball, or Clint Casper gets the bow, and he says. Hold my beer, you know. Watch this, because 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 you literally, dude. I mean, that was pretty good. You texted me with that cold front moving in on the 18th of January, some bad weather. You're like, I feel my yep. opportunity, and then boom, you got it done. So I congratulate you, and I'm glad that you know you did because. You didn't have a whole lot of time left, and now we were able to do this episode. Obviously, I had you on just here right recently. We did a whole episode about late season, and all the things that you talked about in that episode, you've now made good on. And so you just, you actually made yourself look a lot more credible with that success, Clint. So people are going to have to start taking you a little more seriously. You know, these naysayers out there, these finger pointers, these, these questioners, the critics, you know, they're going to have to start zipping their lips and kind of like following your example, my friend, because success speaks for itself. And the thing that I'm really happy about is now, now we're kind of like done with this we can start looking ahead to 2020 and i'm kind of getting excited for turkey season because you know as much as you like the cold oh, is yeah. as much is as much as i hate it and i like the warmer days of spring and i can't wait to get back out there to ohio and start chasing those birds around with you again that is like just a really really fun time that we have out there and it's going to be here before we know it Oh yeah, that's always fun. We always usually stumble on a few sheds. Uh, last year we got on that match set over at the one farm that one morning. We we dang near walked right on top of them. And then yeah, uh, for sure, man, always always fun, always fun to have you and Timmy out. And I, I I always circle that hunt every year. That's one of my favorites, and and I sure do look forward to that. And it won't be long. Here another year or two, uh, old Easton. He he'll be uh, he'll be four this spring. So. It won't be long, and, and we'll have uh, we'll have him tagging along. So I'm really excited, uh, you know, super excited for uh, you know for that to take place. But yeah, it's uh, turkey season holds a special place in my heart. There's no doubt. There's nothing nothing more fun than that, especially when they're fired up. And 
man, it's always fun to see Timmy get fired up whenever you and I get fired up and, and the birds are fired up. And yeah, it's, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that hunt and it's going to be another fun one. It always is. And hopefully we can get a little better weather the last few years. It's been kind of, it's like you have one or two, you know, maybe one day out of a two or three day span. That's really good. And the rest of, we ran into some bad weather, but hopefully this year we can get a stretch of really good weather. And, uh, man, it'd be awesome to see Timmy knock another one down. Boy, I'll tell you, he, uh, he gets fired up and that sure gets me and you fired up. There's no doubt. It's fun to see him, uh, have that fire lit inside of me whenever those birds start gobbling. That's for sure. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And the thing is, you know, I told Timmy, I said, you gotta, you gotta soak that up while you can, because, you know, Clint's kids are coming, you know, and, and so Timmy's at the right age cause he's 14, right? So he's only got a couple more years left to do these youth hunts and, and, uh, that'll yep. work out perfectly. Cause, cause, uh, about that time is when your boys will be ready to start squeezing the, the trigger and it'll be like, man, it's a good thing you aged out of that youth hunt, Timmy, cause your invite is going to be out the window, man. Easton's going to be like, nah, nobody's hunting my spots, baby. And, uh, that, that'll, <laughs> be the oh, end no. of that <laughs> no timmy timmy's always got a spot it'll be fun someday whenever him and easton both have a have a have a tag and a gun in their hands and then hopefully they can share a youth season together that would be really fun to have have both of them together and then me and you can sit back and and kind of watch it unfold that would be uh that'll, that's definitely something i'm really looking forward to is is my two boys getting out and, and getting to share those moments and it's it's always fun to to watch you and Timmy interact and get to watch you guys kind of hunt, you know, from the side. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy that. It, it's a, uh, it's cool to see you guys be able to share the same passion and it's every year he comes out, he's a little more into it, a little more into it. And, you know, man, he was, uh, he was super excited last year to get that, get that tag filled and get that bird killed. So hopefully we're on a hot streak with Timmy. Hopefully uh, this, this year uh, we can continue that. Oh, I'm confident that we will. And, you know, one thing that's neat about uh, hunting with your kids, and you'll see this, Clint, especially as they get a little older, and you're a ways away yet from those teenage years. But one of the things that I really appreciate appreciate about hunting with Timmy is uh, now that he's a teenager, uh, I usually don't know anything according to Timmy. And right. so, so when we go out and we hunt, that's one of the few times that he actually listens to what I have to say. He tends to follow my instructions. He doesn't question me a whole lot. And I think he realizes that if he does what dad says, he's, um, you know, tends to be fairly successful and at the very least, you know, sees critters and has opportunities. So um, I still have some credibility when it comes to hunting. Other areas of life, not so much. But um, I, as I remind him, you know, when, when he gets to be about 35, he'll realize that dad was a lot smarter than he thought he was when he was 14. So that's what you've got look, to look forward to, my friend. But anyway, uh, it, was an, it, it was another great episode. And uh, man, it's always great to catch up with you. And for for uh, everybody out there, you definitely want to make sure you've got your subscription to Peterson's Bow Hunting up to date because you're going to be reading. Uh, more about all these hunts uh, in upcoming issues. So not only Clint's uh, late season success on the uh, Ohio whitetail, but an awesome high country alpine mule deer in Colorado, uh, an awesome, um, 
a hard hard antlered buck that you got in Utah and uh, other uh, really good uh, uh, insights that we've got lined up uh, with you this year too. So man, it's just been great working with you uh, both uh, on the magazine here in the podcast, Clint. And I'm sure you know what's going to happen is it's not going to be long again till you're going to do some other amazing feat in the woods, and we'll be having you right back on uh, the podcast here to to tell us about the the latest adventure. So keep it going, buddy. You're on. You talk about hot streaks. You're on one. So don't you let it. Don't let you to let it slow down well i appreciate you having me on it's always fun and hopefully the next podcast we're on is going to be uh us talking with timmy about the uh 24 pound 11 and a half inch bearded tom that he just smoked at about 25 yards during the youth season out here that's what i hope the next podcast we're all together i hope that's the next one we're on because man that would be fun well, you know what we need to do is let's do this this year, Clint. We talk about, you know, getting some decent weather and maybe having him an opportunity to get that second tag. So, you know, the last couple of years he's he's come out and he's killed birds with the shotgun. But let's have him throw the compound in this year and bring that along. And if he wants to hunt, you know, maybe he still hunts his first bird with the shotgun. But if we have some decent weather and we've got another day or two, um, you know, let's have him get after it with the bow and uh, take up that next step of the challenge, you know, so we can push the kid along a little bit in the development. That would be, that'd be really fun. There's no doubt about it. I'm really looking forward to it and can't thank everybody at uh, Peterson's Bow Hunting for having me on the podcast and letting me, uh, letting me write articles and then just uh, getting to enjoy what I love to do. It's always been a dream of mine to work with a publication like, uh, like you guys and uh, couldn't, uh, couldn't have landed in a better spot, my friend. All right. Well, listen, take care of yourself. We'll be in touch uh, again soon, I'm sure. And uh, until then, uh, keep doing what you're doing, brother. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting on your local newsstand or check us out on the web at bowhuntingmag.com.